0: Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything. So this podcast is a reflection of that. Here we speak on non-mainstream perspectives like personal growth in motherhood and relationships, awareness of the ego versus the soul, the voice of fear versus intuition, We discussed what it looks like to step into your power and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I'm obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and their babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is about women taking radical responsibility for their life, shedding victimhood for good. Honestly, I probably have an aha moment per day. So I have a lot banked up for August, but I'm gonna share my two favorite, my two biggies. An aha moment to me, I think that's an Oprah word. To me, it means a light bulb moment for you where something, your perspective shifts. Somehow, some way, boom, perspective shift aha moment light bulb in your brain things are now different you feel different your perspective is different and you can never not know what you now know so on instagram i saw this instagram reel of a Jay shetty quote and he was talking on the reel the video and he said something to the effect of we want our loved ones to value the things we value And when it's mismatched, we're hurt, angry, resentful, yada, yada, yada. I resonate with that totally. I think everyone will when you really, really look at it. Because now I am taking that concept and looking at it in every situation in my life, and it's almost always a difference of values. And it can be so subtle. So something I was thinking is, my mom always tried, me, tried to get me to clean my room as a kid because she values a clean room. She values a clean house. But I couldn't really get on board because I just don't value cleanliness to the extent that she does. And I don't even value cleanliness to the extent that Malcolm does, my husband. And growing up, my mom eventually just stopped trying to get me to value to, to value cleaning my room because she couldn't change me. And then if there's any friction between me and Malcolm with cleaning, it's because I don't value it like he does. So I think this probably shows up in the parent-child dynamic often, just like in marriage or in any relationship. I'm thinking about when a parent has... younger child or any age child but the the parent values the child wearing really good clothing you know looking very put together and the child wants you know like Disney t-shirts the parent is frustrated because the child doesn't value the same thing the parent does and there's like friction there because the values are different or as an adult We might really value taking care of our body or health. And our parent or our sibling or someone might not. And they might be, from our perspective, really unhealthy. And we just wish they could value being healthy like us. And because they don't, there's friction. There's suffering. It's hard. Because we just wish people would value the same things as us. This is the ego. (laughs) It's okay. I think most of us are like this. And I just think it's natural also because we gravitate towards people that value the same things as us in life. Whether it's you value money and status, you will gravitate towards people and surround yourself with people with those same values. But like me, I value... Oof, how do I say this? Awareness, intention, self-growth. So I attract and gravitate towards women and mothers that are focused on these things. And it typically then is like the homesteading, home birth, homeschool crowd. Because you value living your life with intention that's very unique to you that's just not a part of you know society's blueprint of what society says you should do and what is normal and what's expected so I think we gravitate towards you know the people that have the same values as us because it to me it's like how we find meaning and purpose in our life And then we also talk about the things we value the most as well. People talk about what they think about. And what they think about is probably the things they value. I'm not saying 100% all the time, but I value self-growth. I think about self-growth. I then have conversations about self-growth because that's what I value. And... I, just, I discovered that I value self-growth over anything else because my friend and I were talking and we were asking each other the question of if your ego feels inferior to someone else, why? Because the ego feels inferior to some people and then the ego feels superior to other people. So some people, it might be you would feel inferior to someone else because they're more successful if that's the case, you probably value success intensely. But for me, I value self-growth. So the people that I meet in my life that, I'm, that my ego would feel inferior to are people that are further along on the self-growth journey than me. And usually if you're a little younger than me, I'm like, oh, okay. So I feel my ego feels inferior to these people because of their self-growth and they're further along than me so we talk about what we value as well so for me I value self-growth so I talk about self-growth and a part of my growth is with cannabis and mushrooms and I just was realizing that I don't talk about my plant medicine stuff with some of my friends and I thought it's because I was afraid of what how they would judge me I actually realize it's just because they don't value plant medicine. So why am I going to talk to them about plant medicine when they don't value it so they don't care to talk about it? They're just like, eh. And we're all like that about certain topics, right? If your spouse is really into the stock market and talks so passionately about the stock market, you wish you could be excited. You wish you could be just so lit up by it because they are but you don't value the stock market. Like you don't care. And so it's harder to converse about these things then. And so all we really do is just listen, but it's hard to be like, you know, passionately in conversation with someone that values something so different. So with Malcolm and I, we have a lot of shared similar values, but they might range in intensity. So I, I do value aesthetic homes and architecture and beautiful homes, but not with the intensity of, that Malcolm does. So he could talk about homes all the time and I get so tired because I'm like, I just don't care that much. I don't value homes that much. But I know he feels that way about maybe birth. I try not to talk about birth with him to be honest because I have so many girlfriends that would, that will talk about it with me that I don't really bore him with that topic. But self-growth or even just growth in our marriage, obviously it's my number one thing we talk about that I love to talk about. And he likes it, but not with the intensity that I do. So he has a threshold. He reaches a ceiling of like, all right, I'm tapped out. Like I talked about it, now I'm tapped out. And that's how I am with houses it's like I can talk about it but I I get tapped out faster than him and to me it's just a difference of values an intensity of values and I, I think it's okay that's why we have a village of friends that's how why we have a village of people to have you know these passionate conversations with certain people that share that value and I actually think it's amazing but This difference of value typically does cause friction and irritation in our life. So, something I was thinking about is say a parent has an adult child and the parent really values religion. They will be in suffering if their child doesn't value religion also, or maybe just a different religion. But I'm not saying this is black and white, but I've, I've seen this happen where the adult parent, the parent values religion and then their child doesn't value it the same way as them and it causes friction. And you can apply this to anything. Anytime there's friction in that way, it's because there's a difference of values and our ego just wishes people valued what we valued with the same intensity. It's just, it's quite silly. And one of the silliest stories that I have noticed from this train of thought is we were in Michigan, Malcolm and I, and we were sauna swimming. You sauna, and then you go jump in the lake, and you cool off. Well, we're in the sauna, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to swim. I'm not going to jump in. And in that moment, I was irritated. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. But in that moment, I was irritated and it came down to you're not valuing jumping in the water like me. I value sauna swimming. You sauna, then you jump in the lake. He wasn't valuing the swimming part. And I just wanted him to swim with me. And it was so childish. It was so stupid. But that's a little moment where I wanted him to value the exact same thing as me in the exact same moment. And if I'm really looking at that, it's what Kelly Brogan ooh, or someone else, I can't remember, called permission field. How big of a permission field can you give your child to be who they are? How big of a permission field can you give your spouse to be who they are? Ultimately, I think it's that, but it's also that you want the other person to value what you value. Another small way it can show up is if you value being on time, you probably will be rubbed the wrong way by someone that's chronically late because they don't value being on time. So your values are different and it's irritating. Or you can be on a trip with some friends and some of the friends don't want to eat out at these foodie restaurants because they don't care about food, but you care about food. Like you live to eat and they eat to live. And so it it can cause friction if you're on a trip and they want to eat at these dingy places because they don't care about food but you care about food, different values. So sometimes it's just so silly, but then in other moments, it feels really big. So for me, victimhood is a big one, right? Like there's certain friendships that I have kind of walked slowly away from because they value being a victim, And I don't. I value taking responsibility. So sometimes it can be massive. When I'm with someone that values being a victim, that values blaming, it feels like a huge misalignment. It feels really heavy. I think it's very natural to gravitate towards people that value the same things you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, in the same breath, it's such a beautiful practice to love and support people that are very differently than you. Because ultimately, I just kind of think this value thing is the ego, obviously, because it's it wants people to be like us and it wants people to think like like us or believe like us or talk about the same topics as us. We want people to value the same things we value because the ego thinks it's right. And it says, I value this thing and you should too because it's right. You know, so obviously this is an ego thing, but I think it's a very natural thing because it is an ego thing. But when you really look at it from a soul perspective, the soul has unconditional love for people that are different, unconditional love and a huge permission field for people to be fully themselves and you don't have to change them. You don't have have to have them like you. You don't have to have them change and be more like you because you're right. No, like, you know, that's it's very clear that the soul is just unconditionally accepting and it doesn't need someone to change to be at peace. But we're human. And we're having this human life and we have human relationships. So that's why this aha moment to me was a pretty big one because that that irritation or that, that resentment or just friction ultimately I think mainly comes down to someone valuing something differently than you. It's quite simple. Another thing with this value conversation is that The truth is that we make time for the things we value. Saying, I'm busy, I'm busy, is an excuse for the things you don't value. And that's everyone I've ever met in my life, right? You are filled to capacity, you cannot do more, but if it's something you value, you'll make time, you'll do it. I'm not saying that's bad, I'm not saying that's wrong, I'm saying that's human behavior, right? Because we see it with money. You say you don't have money. You say you don't have money. But if it's something you value, like the newest iPhone, you somehow get the money. Or you go in debt, but you buy the thing because it's the thing you value. So between couples, when say finances are tight or you want to try to save money for a common goal and your partner you know, wants to spend money or does spend money on something you don't value, I think that can be a friction spot and you justify the things you value because it's what you value. So how we spend our money is also the things we value, like Malcolm and I spend most of our money on quality food. Our food bills are really high, not because we eat out a lot, but just because, you know, we go to Whole Foods, costco all the places to get and buy really good food because that's what we what we value and maybe if he did not value high quality food there could be friction between us with this topic and that probably happens in relationships often but so back to we make time for the things we value it's such truth in my life because i used to value Working and making money a lot more in the past and I was building my business. So that's natural, right? like You have to put those years in or those months in to build a business You have to make that as the forefront usually To make it go somewhere. It's that blood so sweat and tears and so I did that with my photography business and I don't regret it. I loved it. I was hustling. I was so busy but There came a time where I saw that I was not prioritizing my human relationships in my life the way I wanted to. So there was a disconnect with I was valuing my career and money more than relationships in my life. And it was very unbalanced. I had very little time to caretake and spend time on the relationships in my life. So I had to switch that and I did. And it's because my values changed. And your values can change. And that's, that's the thing with personal growth, right? Is you might value something five years ago and then it changes. And you change your life because your values have changed. And I think that can happen in romantic relationships where you meet your partner and you might be on the same page and then you grow and your values vary very much change and maybe they become so different that the relationship can't work or you just find the tools to be able to make it work still because you know constant growth as a human is what happens in all relationships basically so i stopped working as much i put in boundaries i brought in balance between work life and I'm so much more happy because I now value investing in relationships more than my work. And it's because I probably always reflect on what I will feel on my deathbed. Honestly, this is what I do all the time, is if I'm on my deathbed, am I going to be saying, oh, I'm so happy I worked that much? Maybe, but I don't think so. I'm going to say, oh, I nurtured the close relationships in my life and I am so happy I did that because relationships is connection. and I think connection, human connection is everything. But the beauty is that that can change, our values can change, and we can make changes in our life according to the change in values. My next aha moment is courtesy of my cat, Monkey. Okay? This beautiful little being is teaching me so much. So I think because it's summer in Phoenix and it's, you know, so, so, so hot out, he doesn't go outside often. And he has becoming, he is becoming way more high emotional needs this summer I don't know if it's going to be you know static like that I don't know if it's just right now in time I don't know all I know is his emotional needs are so high and he meows all day for touch if I'm gone for five hours and I enter my house he finds me and I'm like say peeing in the bathroom he finds me and is purring on me and meowing and meowing because he missed me so much and he's like I need touch. So I cannot sit at the dinner table without him, you know, standing in front of my face and meowing and saying touch me. I can't sit on the couch or the chair without him laying on my chest and being like pay attention to me, love me. And it was feeling so irritating for two months, I'm like, this is all consuming. This is all encompassing. This is so intense. And what I realized is I only wanna love him when it's convenient for me. You know, when I'm trying to make a a dinner, it's not convenient for me, it's inconvenient. No, I, I can't touch you, I can't give you love, I can't give you emotional needs. I can't sit in presence with you because I have to cook this meal. And it's all day, right? Like it's so inconvenient for me all day. And then just in the evening, it's convenient for me. So then I will pet him. He can cuddle with me. And so he gets his cuddles based on convenience for me and my schedule. I'm not saying that I should drop everything always for monkey, you know, twenty seven. I'm not saying that, but balance, you know, is key. And it's like, he's just a cat, but he's also a sovereign being from God. He does deserve love, and he's just trying to give me presence and love. He's just sharing his gifts with me, and I'm denying him. I'm denying love. I'm denying presence from him. So it's been a sobering reflection point to see That when I give him love and presence, when it's convenient for me, that's conditional love. Full stop. That's conditional love. So then I reflect with Malcolm, how often am I giving love or showing support when it's convenient for me? How often am I showing love or giving support when it's inconvenient for me? And then... I really think about the child-parent dynamic and how that with a baby in the middle of the night crying, that's very inconvenient. That's why it's very hard to show up and give love because it's so inconvenient. Or with a toddler tantruming in a grocery store, it's so inconvenient. So the fuse of the parent is short. It's so inconvenient and so it's so hard to show up to that child in that moment because it's not convenient for you. Or say you're trying to work or you're trying to you know, get a meal done or you're trying to text someone and your kid is just nagging you, you know, for some attention. It's not convenient for you. So it's like, no, 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 later, later, not now, not now, not now, it's inconvenient. So what does that mean though? It means that we only show up when it's convenient. And that's conditional love. And I think most of us operate in this model. I think this is the truth of humans. I do think there is a human type that is on the other end of the spectrum and is so self-sacrificing and can never do anything for themselves that they are always dropping and doing everything for everyone else. But that is a little more rare. I, I, because I still think these types of people feel inconvenienced, but then they, but then they do it anyways. They show up anyways. It's more about that feeling of being busy and an animal or a child or a husband needing something and you feel like this is not the right time. Like, I cannot do this. This is inconvenient. So then I just think about how narcissistic we are. That we are. And I know we, we are. But we are only showing up when we want to. When there's something in it for us. When everything's all sorted out, and ah, now I can give presents. When when all the other tasks are done. And then it's just like, is that what's more important? All the other tasks are more important than your child, more important than your pet. You know? And of course, balance is the key. Because some people have to work to have money to support your child. I get that right so thanks to monkey i am really learning and reflecting on how i show up in relationships and whether i only show up when it's perfectly convenient for me and especially with a pet or a baby they're they're here to give love they're here to give presence to Help a human sit in presence and bask in love. And if we are denying an infant that presence in middle of the night or in a grocery store or your cat, like me, you're denying presence and you're denying love. And that's very fascinating.